Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom. What's go. up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. And we've got a super intense emergency, uh, episode. emergency episode for you guys. Um, we're, we're talking about the uh, the Tegu ban that's happening in proposed South Carolina. Tegu ban, uh, South proposed Carolina. Tegu ban, that's right. Um, and uh, we're joined by some very important people uh, to talk about this and uh, and call on some help. We need um, your help. From the reptile community to uh, prevent this from actually actually happening um so we're joined by um carlos michelson joshua ortiz and phil goss so we're going to bring these guys in and we're just going to get right into right, it right into it we don't want to waste any time boom we got phil we got josh there we got carlos Bam. Boom. everybody's here there we are how's How it going guys? guys what's up doing good doing good awesome looks good on this end too Yep. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thank you guys for all making this making this making happen, this happen and, and yeah. we're happy that we can uh, provide the platform and, and blast it everywhere as soon as we're done. Yes. Um, and for anybody that uh, that cares, uh, if you're watching it here on YouTube, it's going to be on YouTube. You uh, we're going to share it everywhere. And uh, the audio from this will also be available on all major streaming platforms uh, later today. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so, OK. So for people who don't know what the hell we're even talking about, uh, can we go into a little bit more depth on what this proposed legislation is? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, Phil, would you like to start out? Yeah, I can kick in. Awesome. So thank, thanks for having us here today. So if you're unaware, South Carolina is proposing a ban on Argentine black and white tegu species, and that does include the blue tegu. Uh, so the whole species, Maronite. And what it's going to do is it has a grandfather clause. If you currently own a pet tegu, you'll be able to keep it. What it doesn't have is it wouldn't allow people like Josh to continue breeding tegu. So it's going to be an outright ban on any breeding of Argentine black and white and blue tegus. And, you know, the big problem we have is with that is, you know, some people have moved to South Carolina to breed these animals and they're, they're going to be out of business. Um, they're going to be forced to either sell off all their adult animals or move out of the state. And, you know, that's just that that's totally unjust. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but. Essentially, that's what's going on. So we're going to have a ban on tegus. There will be no future ownership. And after 120 days, there will be no more breeding allowed of black and white and blue tegus. That's a really small window for people like Josh who've got a lot of tegus to kind of find new homes for those. I mean, you know, you over a year, you might be able to do that. But over 120 days, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really small time frame. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I could give a, a slightly more background just for people kind of have a good conceptualization of this. So basically there was a proposed bill um, in 2020 where they wanted to protect turtle species in South Carolina, uh, which was great. Everyone unanimously supported that. And then basically um, it was piggybacked, which they do many times. You have a favorable bill, favorable bill and then you try to piggyback something that's not favorable, right? That's the way it usually works. So they basically at the end said, oh yeah, by the way, we want to be able to regulate non-natives um, and people were concerned with that, especially since at the initial proposal to the House, um, Emily Cope, the individual that's in charge of this specific division for South Carolina DNR, said that, you know what, we want to 
um, have this right. And Tegu's, by the way, a parable, and she basically sensationalized it and made it seem as if they were gonna come into your home and eat your children. Um, so she kind of led in with that. So you, you already had this preconceived notion, and bear in mind, this is before any sighting, any, anything in South Carolina. She already went in with the narrative, you know what, before you guys even give me the right to be able to have um, non-native species potentially regulated by my department, um, I'm gonna tell you right from the start, that's my goal right there with Tegu's, right? Then lo and behold, a few months later, that department which said their initiative was to ban Tegu's was put in charge of um, collecting the reports of Tegu's. And they put, yeah, uh, talk about a conflict of interest. Um, and then uh, they put out like, it's basically this, um, this media campaign saying that um, anyone that has uh, seen Tegu's or thinks they've seen Tegu's, let us know. Um, there was a lot of reports, as you guys could you know, suspect, vast majority of those were native species. Uh, people were literally killing broad-headed skinks and our native species because when they did the post, they didn't say, by the way, all these other things, they're not baby tegus. These are like native reptiles that live here. Right. Um, so while doing this and, you know, rushing it and not really have a solid thought process uh, through this, they, they wound up killing a lot of native species, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so anyway, fast forward. And um, when we fast forward to now, they spotted however many tegus, um, it was less than a dozen animals, adult animals during the warm months of the year. Um, as you and I both know, and everyone here knows, tegus are extremely popular pet lizards. Um, next to like bearded dragons and cresties, they're pretty much next in line. Mm -hmm. And obviously these animals are not able to overwinter here. We're talking about pet animals that escape during warm months. Um, so they kind of just went with that full bore and we're like, you know what, we're gonna ban tegus. Um, even though we have no proof they could overwinter, we have no nests, we have no eggs, we have no hatchlings, no proof of proliferation whatsoever. Uh, we're gonna ban them and put some grandfathering language to make it seem as if we're compromising, um, make it say you know, people could keep their pets. Um, but basically in terms of any commercial activity, without any proof, 100% based on assumptions, we're gonna ban you know, your way of life and your livelihood. And you have 120 days to get rid of all of them or keep them for the rest of their lives. And after the 120 days, you can't sell them, you can't do anything. They literally right. have in your possession. So if you have 100 tegus, unless you're willing to liquidate them and sell them for pennies on the dollar and not have animals to breed for two or three years while you raise up a different species, then you're pretty much out of luck. Um, and that's, that's pretty much their stance. You know what, just too bad, just liquidate everything. I know you can't you know, uh, generate income for two or three years because you'll have to come up with a totally different project and raise new animals, but you know, too bad, it's not us, it's you. And um, stakeholders sat down at their request because I've been talking to them since day one. And mm -hmm. stakeholders sat down and said, um, you know what, we're willing to make some compromises that we really shouldn't have to make because you guys at the end of the day have zero proof. Right. You're just basing this 100 percent on speculation. You used faulty science because you went in with a preconceived notion. And instead of getting all the information, both pro uh, for and against your theory, you just collected data that was pro. Anything that was against your theory, you conveniently just disregarded. So it's faulty science. Anyone that has any even high school knowledge of the scientific process knows that that's faulty from the start. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, basically, that, that's what they said. And um, that, that's where we're at now where they basically want you to liquidate your animals in a short period of time, or you can register them and not be able to do 
you know, anything with them. You can't breed them. You pretty much can't do anything. And they'll have really strict regulations associated with it, you know, registering your animals and closures. By the way, a lot of that stuff in our compromise, we were willing to do, even though they had zero proof. Yeah. Did you know what? You could pit tag our animals. Um, you could actually have cage parameters because we want responsible keepers to be recognized for their efforts and yes. that are not responsible to be penalized. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what we've always preached, all responsible keepers, which make up the vast majority of us. But we said, you know what? If we're doing all this, the handful of people or less that are commercial breeders and have commercial stakes should be allowed to register their animals, have them chipped, have them in a, uh, appropriate enclosures, register their animals with the state, and then sell them out of the state, at least for a given period of time, so they have time to reasonably transition to something else. Because if you don't allow people to do that, what you're doing, you're really jeopardizing their livelihoods. Yeah, um, right. What they've saved and worked and all of the resources that they've allocated and put toward this for years, you're compromising that. You're compromising the way they pay their mortgage, the way they feed their kids. And um, in the initial meetings, they didn't promise anything, but they were like, you know what? That all seems reasonable. And we're like, OK, great. We're all on the same page. When they actually drafted up the final proposal, the, the final proposal actually said, you know what? All those compromises you were willing to make, even though we had no proof on our theories, we're going to keep the compromises you were you wanted to make. And the primary ones that we were going to make South Carolina DNR, primarily that, you know, commercial breeders could have some sort of rights. Uh, never mind that. And that's why, you know, a lot of people are really upset. I mean, across the board, not just breeders, keepers. I mean, when you try to have um, uh, non-logical regulations in the complete absence of proof and rush it through and try to prove your own theories with ignoring the counter arguments, you're not going to have a lot of fans, right? So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, I just want to jump in and say say one thing because we did get a little bit of feedback. So um, yeah. I have um, I had everybody muted there for a second. Um, so if you can, uh, when you're not talking, just mute yourself, um, and that'll cut out any feedback that we have. But cool. other than that, we're we're good. Cool. There we go. Cool. cool. All right. So uh, what are some resources for people if they want to kind of help out? What can people do right now to uh, to make their voices heard, to, to make sure that, you know, uh, South Carolina DCR knows that people are opposed to this, that we don't want this to go through? Yeah, of course. Um, so South Carolina DNR, basically, there was a hearing last week. And, and at the hearing, uh, Phil, myself, Carlos were there. Um, well, not there. It was basically like a Zoom call uh, type meeting. And um, we all expressed a lot of strong points. And right after the meeting, one of the board members made a motion to basically have a follow-up meeting on the 18th. Uh, so at least our uh, discussions were, were hopefully taken seriously. Um, so basically, uh, as the follow-up to that, they have uh, a comments that you could submit via email to the Department of a DNR. And I'll look it up. It's, uh, it should be board at dnr.sc.gov. And before we um, wrap up here, I'll reconfirm that email address, but it uh, should be board at dnr.sc.gov. And basically what you could do there is in these comments say, look, I disagree with this Tegu band slash proposed regulation, which, which in actuality it's a ban. You're essentially ending that trade in this entire state without proof, but that's right. a different topic. Um, I disagree with it for such and such reason. And if you actually look on the US Arc's uh, website and you look on the Facebook page, uh, Phil came up with a lot of really good points, you know, to, you know, for, for, to help guide you. And he has a lot of bullet points if you scroll down to the South Carolina alert saying, you know what, here are some of the things you may want to address. Don't just, 
you know, copy and paste it, you know, obviously have your own authentic thoughts in there. But, you know, collectively, these are concerns that we have, and I'm sure you have them too. So this will help guide you take five minutes out of your day to address this. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, you guys have noticed, um, there's a lot of regulations hitting us now from South Carolina to New York to all these different states, Oregon. And, um, if we don't uh, join together and have strength in numbers, we're going to we're going to be victim to this because at the end of the day, um, we're pretty much backed in a corner and they're forcing our hand and we have to stay together as a team and stay focused and intelligently express our viewpoints. So if you want to stand up for your rights to have tegus or just stand up for your rights as an animal keeper in general, it's really important to email them uh, by this Thursday at 5 p.m. I just suggest to everyone, so you don't forget, just email them now. It literally right. takes <laughs> right now. Yeah, it'll take me longer to go just run to my fridge and make myself a bologna sandwich and a will to email. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, the longer you email, the better, of course, the more elaborate, the better. Um, but at the very least, send something. If you're a responsible reptile keeper that feels strongly about your rights, there is no reason not to send it in. And I'm not just saying this because I keep tagus. There's plenty of issues. Pretty much every single issue I feel strongly about, which uh, Phil feels strongly about as well. I write into every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And I, I will, I, I just want to jump in there and add, if you're not already following or a member of USARC, you become should a member. be doing that right now. Cause they literally, Phil and his team do an amazing job of making it so easy to send these emails and make these phone calls and do whatever you have to do. Like they literally have drawn everything out for you. And uh, and make it make it just that much easier. Yeah. Phil and his team have done an amazing job over the last several years just watching what they've done for the reptile hobby. And uh, I always encourage people if you are you know on the fence or if your membership ran out, rejoin US Arc, donate yep. money at the very least, even if you just got five bucks, if you say, Hey, I can't make the dedication of paying the, the membership fee, even just $5 collectively over the amount of people who keep reptiles that adds up and yep. it helps tremendously for the cause. So very quickly following up on what Josh said. So yeah, it's super easy. Just go to usark.org, usark.org. The very top link will take you there. So that's our last newsletter. Click on that. It has a link for the South Carolina alert and everything is right there for you. It's got the email address. It has the deadline of this Thursday at five o'clock to submit your comments. There's even a sample message there. Uh, One thing we ask of people is somehow personalize the message. Um, You know, we don't want them seeing the same thing a thousand times. So, I mean, you can use that as a model, but at least modify it a little bit. Put your own little personal spin on it. Uh, But yeah, super easy and and not even five minutes. I mean, five minutes, you can do it four or five times. It's just copy, paste it, mail it off. Um, but yeah, if you can take at least five minutes to personalize it a little bit and it, it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, most definitely. And we were talking about this on our rules and regulations episode um, about it, the amount of people who show up is what makes the change. Uh, when we had the proposed regulations in Rhode Island, we had 20, 30 people show up and they killed it right there. So if we get enough voices out there saying that we don't want this to go down, we don't want this to happen, it's going to negatively affect our hobby as a whole, not just in South Carolina, but everywhere, because other states are going to be watching what goes on in South Carolina. It's yep. it if we show up and make that voice heard, they can't ignore it. Exactly. Yeah, so, that's, that's saying, also oh, something that um that I try to get across and tell everybody because um by now it feels like we've been fighting for years, whether it be for tegus or just for our rights in general to be able to keep any species. You know, um, I just went through the same thing here in South Florida where um, we had to go and basically start a lawsuit against FWC 
because they were trying to pass unconstitutional laws in regards to the same issue. And now we're still waiting because the dates of the meetings keep getting pushed back and pushed back. Now it's February 26th and 27th. I believe that we're waiting for the new cage regulations to see if I'm going to have to keep tegus in my house, in my property now. Like if I was Joe Exotic breeding tigers in my property, which <laughs> is just absolutely absurd, man. You know, yeah. if we're, we're trying to establish the guidelines here. We're trying to lead by example. We have the best cages that you could design for these animals. We have locking mechanisms for those cages. We have our Tegu's pit tag, you name it. You know, it's not that we're against following regulations and rules and guidelines. I mean, I, I think that's pretty much why we're all registered and all have a class three permit and don't do this under the table. You know, we're all legally pursuing to follow statutes, follow regulations, follow the law, and do this as law-abating citizens. Now, the people that don't follow laws, the people that don't care about these regulations, the people that are old school with the mentalities of, I keep reptiles and this is America and you're not gonna take my animals or my rights to breed them, they're not gonna care whether you ban a species or not. They're still gonna be breeding them, they're still gonna be releasing them, they're still gonna be doing whatever harm it is that you're worried about, it's gonna multiply, it's gonna quantify. It's going to get to a level that you're not going to be able to control. And I'm not speaking to this and, and this topic from somebody that, you know, with its 10,000 board members that sits down in an office and gets to make all of these decisions based on zero experience. I'm talking about this issue from hands on in the field. I spent eight years of my life trapping invasive tegus in South Florida habitat, not only because I want to get badges and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the cool guy or anything like that. But no, because I feel as a keeper and breeder of the species, no matter if it's bearded dragons, tegus, leopard geckos, you know, I have a moral and value obligation to go out there and get rid of this issue. So I've taken it upon myself to voluntarily go out there, gather data, remove invasive tegus from the natural ecosystem and from the habitat. And guess who comes back to me to talk and ask for advice in regards to any of these regulations? Nobody. And I'm the first one out there, hands on with the experience, with data submitted that could be traced back for every single tegu capture that I have in the wild. I explained during the meeting, I've caught tegus out here in the wild during the winter months. If they stay out in the trap during the winter months for one night, that tegu is dead the next day because of the wind chill factor. So I've explained that to them. I've explained that in my notes and everything that I've gathered so far. And it's like, you know, guys, the, the whole thing here is not to ban a species and then make everybody who owns the species worry about them being in trouble for having the species and releasing those species out into the wild. It's proper communication, proper line of having everything and working in symphony together, the keepers, the breeders and the government. You guys want guidelines? You guys want regulations? Okay, don't make us your enemy or don't make the, the public your enemy by saying that you're gonna rightfully ban a species based on assumptions that, that you have. There's already other invasive species in South Carolina that are causing far greater damage and it's been proven that they're already uh, breeding in the wild. You know, so to have 
uh, a, a whole species just banned based on the assumptions of a few people that are reading some facts behind the computer. It's not the same as you know applying the knowledge that you have in the wild of trapping the species and collecting them from the wild for over eight years. So you know there's a big gap between the assumptions that they're making and what is factual knowledge. We all know that it, tegu eggs require a certain temperature in order to be able to incubate, even in the wild. The temperatures are not achieved in the South Carolina habitat. That's number one. Number two, the, the hatchlings that are produced every season out of whatever wild-caught tegu that there may be, which there isn't, hasn't been any hatchlings, they're all escaped potato tegus, which is what I call because they're these big 25-pound tegus that you could tell that they've been eating filet mignon in somebody's couch. They're not out there slim, invasive tegus, you know, that are being found. The hatchlings are not going to live through one winter that the floor freezes in South Carolina. It's absurd. So to take away the rights of American hardworking individuals just based off assumptions, it's not something that I find done correctly. Whether it be in Florida, whether it be in Alabama, whether it be now in South Carolina, and they could do whatever they want to try to quiet my opinion, but this is my opinion based on actual facts for over eight years of me collecting tegus in the wild and over 15 years of me keeping tegus in captivity. So there is a big uh, experience factor as opposed to somebody reading off of what could be off of textbooks and off of computer uh, image programs and so forth. There is a big difference here. Most definitely. And Carlos, thank you for that. We just got joined for people who aren't watching the video and checking this out on audio. We just got joined by head honcho over at Nerd, Kevin McCurley, who's, of course, been a massive uh, help uh, along over the years on various bits of, of legislation. And um, I want to take a second if he's got anything he wants to, uh, to yeah, add on. on this. We, we always know I have lots to add. <laughs> Podcast Hi, is done after this. It's going to go on hey, for 40 Phil minutes. and Josh <laughs> and Carlos. Carlos, you had really good points but um phil and i can certainly attest we're um we're dealing this isn't uh where we're dealing with rational intellect and okay if we have a good argument and we're you know just initially with uh, the invasive python bands and all that we were always um proponents of using science not hysteria so carlos you are going to talk what you were just talking about was um very factual and very, um, it just, it had a lot of weight to it. That's the problem is it doesn't work. And Phil and I both know that. And uh, we can do that. If we argue our points with rational thought, you have to remember one thing. The underlying thing why these laws are occurring is the powers that be, Fish and Wildlife or uh, state agencies, whoever, they've already made their decision what, they don't want or what they like uh okay let's say fwc so florida essentially fishing game of florida their new thing is if it can live in florida we don't want it here uh back in 1978 u.s fish and wildlife tried to ban all importation of all animals unless it was coming in with a scientific purpose and a permit and all that so they've revealed their underlying scope and their underlying scope is to prevent these things uh, you know you're talking about you you're working down in south florida and you're working with uh, fwc agents 
and they come to you for all the stuff. And we all have this illusion. It's actually a delusion that all of our reasoning and all of that stuff actually matters. Long term, it doesn't matter. It might matter to your uh, conservation officer you're dealing with. But the reality is, what is starting all of this? What is what is actually the root of this? And I can tell you, certainly, I've witnessed up here in the Northeast, we have uh, HSUS, the National Humane Society, and they have been going and smoozing with as many different politicians as possible in the you know, senators, uh, House, you know, in the House and the Senate, and they schmooze and they will do it in a way it's it's very it's almost like a, it's a formula the way it's packaged they they take these uh you know forgive me for some of the stuff i'm going to say but they take these uh maybe fairly attractive women and or cute or something and they go and find like the lonely man politician i've i've no, i'm not i'm i know this is this is i'm not making this up but they have to have some way to get your attention and I think you go, oh, oh little lady, oh, oh, you want to save the environment and all this. Different. Yes, they're letting little tegus. They're going to eat everything. And they go in there and I've bear witness to all this and I've actually had to deal with it. And what happens is they catch the ear of whatever the politician is. And the politician then presents one of these bills and they present the bill with uh, very poor information, okay? They don't have time to listen to you, Carlos. They certainly don't have time to listen to me. They listen to this person and they get a little bit vested in it. And then they're like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this law. So they present the law and their whole thing is, you know, uh, it could be a, uh, a danger to the environment. It could be a health danger. And now with COVID, we have that whole angle. But uh, with the, the, the tegus, they're gonna present it's a danger to the environment. And just like FWC does, they always need to have these boogeymen. So they're showing how they're doing their job. So they're going to prevent the ecosystem being taken care of by a, a destructive invasive that is being um, kept as pets by these weird people that keep these giant monster lizards. And they're going to let their pets go when they're tired of them. And they're going to go eat all the ground dwelling owls they are going to eat all the different uh, animals. And of course, what it does is it draws attention away from the fact that we're developing everything. We're creating concrete and asphalt faster than any time in this world has ever seen. Uh, we're polluting things. Uh, ecosystems are failing. We're uh, taking out ecosystems just by the pollution. And then silently things are uh, happening. And they need to have something that they can almost use as a token. So they're going to use your tegu right now as a token because, well, Florida's having a problem and then Georgia is going to get on board. We're going to get ahead of it. And what they're going to do, they're just going to keep kind of creating this hysteria. <clears throat> but there's not a lot of uh, good time to argue any of this with a rational thought because we don't have an audience that really cares what we have to say. And we have to break this down to numbers. If I'm a politician and I want to get people on board in anything, I'm just going to go around and I'm going to navigate through something. I'm going to find whatever the choice words I can to all of a sudden get anybody listening to respond. And then it's strength in numbers. Let's face this. And everybody in our industry must know my 
vote is no more powerful than any other, you know, voting age person. Or in this case, you could be a 14 year old kid and you could write a letter or you could sign something. You are just as powerful as I am. But the problem is our industry, and this makes me mental, our industry only seems to care about what we care about in our own collections or our own little communities. And I go on and on, and this is where people just shut down. I'll tell you, if you get one person in this industry, let's say um, everybody wants to get on board, uh, let's bash Brian Barcheck because he has a sloth or there was a, a poop in a cage or something like that. Everybody will get on board and you'll get this massive amount of energy to draw somebody out, make them look terrible, do all these things. So why do we have this incredible energy that hurts other people, makes people in our own industry look terrible? And it's not even right. It's not even correct because no matter what, we can always find something. If you take a snippet of something, we can always make anybody look bad. But we are so good at this. But then when we have a problem like Tegu's and now South Carolina. Well, it's you guys now in South Carolina as a country in the United States. We're a lot of these people are going to be like, eh, South Carolina. And I'm always looking at the way bigger picture right now. New York wants to ban the movement of reptiles into the state, throughout the state, out of the state. That is horrific. And I get chills down my spine because I lose my mind and poor Phil you know, he's so busy and then he has to navigate. Okay, Kevin, here comes Kevin and I'm going to start going. And, and I know I, you're Phil, paying, Phil, Phil, you know, but you know, I'm also working on something else, Phil, and I'm going to be talking to Todd and I have, we're going to get that going, but we need to find some way to activate all the sleeper cells, just like in Florida when, you know, they were trying to, uh, ban yellow anacondas we had almost nobody react because everybody's thinking like he leopard geckos uh, i don't care about yellow anacondas or eudectes or uh, and we're all thinking like this there needs to be a thing like how many reptile keepers there are i don't care if you keep leopard geckos beer dragons we are all on the same team and it needs to be some way to join us there are there should not be enemies within the reptile industry when we're faced with a greater enemy which is basically the prevention of keeping these animals, enjoying these animals. I don't care if it's a beer dragon, it's a red ear slider, it's a, a croc monitor. At some point, we are going to be attacked where it's going to affect us all. And if we do not get on board, and this is way bigger than US ARC because US ARC is literally getting annihilated. And US ARC has to be the face and the very reasonable, articulated argument for these fights, but there must be a way that we can conjure some kind of insightful narrative that gets people moving. I want Johnny. I want little Lisa. I want the family. I want everybody to think, oh my God, they're going for black and white tegus in South Carolina. They're going to come after your leopard gecko. And trust me, I have real good arguments about leopard geckos even, and I won't even bother to talk about it, how they could make an argument 
we need to worry about right now. It's black and white tegus in South Carolina. You are faced with your, I don't even know what it's called in South Carolina. I do alligator research in North Carolina. So I'm, I'm aware of the conservation officers and, and sometimes how difficult they can be. And they're very, very close-minded. Remember, they're not interested in our argument. They've already made their decision. They don't want to uh, take any more time. The only way we can force ourselves in the logistics of our argument is with numbers, which means politicians and state rep representatives must see, oh my God, these people keep calling. They're sending these messages. They're doing this. It's not 20 of you. It's like there's 1,200 people that are driving us mental. Maybe we should wait. Great example. In New Hampshire, bobcats and leg hold traps. The, the, the people that are in charge of uh, non-game and game affiliates of you know, each state's fish and game, they have directors. These directors are incredibly powerful. If you harass directors with basically saying, I can't believe you're allowing these leg hole traps and the trapping of bobcats at some point, because I'm friendly with a director and I watch how he goes crazy. And he's like, oh, my God, these people will not stop. And guess what? They didn't allow the leg hole traps and they didn't allow a trapping season on bo bobcats because these this guy realized there's a lot of people that are really angry and they're really crazy. So we need to take our black and white Tegu thing, but we need to create a much larger parallel. So people outside of South Carolina go, Oh my God, this is the, this is the face of the next fight. We need to join these responsible keepers of South Carolina, and we need to back them. We need to be involved. How do we get people to do that? I don't know. Kevin's crying wolf. Kevin's been crying wolf for years, but I have easily been able to predict so much of what's going on. And at some point, what do we do? Do we wait until so much stuff is banned? Then we we think we're going to start fighting. The way to fight it is to precede the legislation. Don't wait for it to pass or don't even wait necessary for the process. We must find a way to be noisy and to be riddling these state agencies. These state agencies like Josh is telling me you're, you're attending these meetings. You give your argument and then you turn around two months later and you realize, oh, my God. We sounded quite, quite reasonable. We had some, some very finite information, even with some statistics, and we're talking about stuff like that. And they didn't take it. We have to understand they don't want to take it. The only thing they're going to understand is numbers and noise and the plague of us and the plague of citizens that are like-minded. We must find Tegu keepers must align themselves with fish keepers. They must align themselves with tarantula keepers, uh, amphibian keepers. They must llama keepers because all these state agencies want to do is have a way to come into your house, enter your property with some purpose and a legal authority where they can invade 
your life, even if you are the most responsible keeper you can be. And Carlos, I, I just listened to what you're saying. You represent what a lot of reptile keepers should be if they're not. But you're, you know, you're intelligent and you're articulating through it. But sadly, that is lost. It is lost on hysteria. The National Humane Society, PETA, World Wildlife, Conservation for Biodiversity, all of these people that I've actually interfaced a bit with, they are horrible. They're closed books. I'm a conservationist. I love animals probably more than most anyone. And I'm on their side, but they are so close-minded. You cannot seem to open these doors. You just can't. So they're going to constantly dictate these horrific sounding laws and these legislate legislation uh, ideas. They're going to go behind our backs. It's already going to grow from a seed to a sapling before we're even involved in the conversation. And the only way we can do it is we fight back with noise, which means we plague them with people saying, this isn't right. You're making laws that are not fair. And now we have the COVID thing. And with the HEROES Act, which Phil certainly knows how horrific that idea was, it would, if they pass the HEROES Act, it would basically give U.S. Fish and Wildlife the authority to decide any species of any animal is a potential uh, vector for the next pandemic contagion, whatnot. And it would give them an authority that, that circumvents all reasonable thought. And then it allows, you could be a person in fish, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, one person, one upper uh, member who decides, you know what, these, uh, these frogs and these snakes and oh, I these um, I got these little uh, hedgehog things. All these different things they can add all of that, and the power that they have is incredible because it doesn't really have to do with logic. And I've certainly dealt with this in a state way, but we need to do as much noise and damage to prevent hysteria. Bats and snakes didn't start COVID. They're going to use that narrative, and now we're seeing it in New York. And when there's a pushback, all they can, they can just do is say, we're trying to prevent disease. We're trying to prevent the next pandemic. But what they're doing is they are ignoring way more horrific uh, ways for things to start. Let's say if we look, we're, let's say we're looking at feral pigs in South Carolina. Come on, let's face it. Uh, feral pigs, anybody can have a pig. You can put it into a fence that I make out of pine sapling pieces and rope. <laughs> okay, you can do that, but we have that right because it's reasonable. It's reasonable to keep pigs. It's not reasonable to keep a big, scary lizard that might eat meat, even though pigs eat meat. Because people are not used to the idea of reptiles, and that's something I've been talking to Phil about, about something else, but I won't cover here. But we need to do something so our industry is far more digestible, and I have a significant idea that will be revealed in the future. But right now, you know, the South Carolina thing is huge, but I do not know how to get this narrative to the point where Mike and Lori 
and Ellen are hearing, they just happen to hear my words and go, you know what? I think I want to invest 15 minutes of my life instead of liking something on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, because all of that stuff ultimately is lost energy. This is one thing that your 15 minutes can do amazing things. And if you tell other people, but we're losing our rights, we're talking just to keep fish in Maine. You can't keep goldfish outside in your koi pond. You can't keep koi outside in your koi pond because their fish and wildlife has already preceded logic and said it's illegal. If we catch you with goldfish in a pond outside, it's $2,000. And that law is there. In New Hampshire, I've faced some of this stuff. We had a thing about crayfish I had to sit here and go crazy over. It was insane. They were creating a law because they watched Duck Dynasty. They saw an episode of Duck Dynasty. Hey, we need to make some money. Let's bring some of these crayfish and put it in this pond and we can start selling crawdads. And I was literally blown away when I talked to one of the people that I'm friendly with in Fish and Wild, a fishing game. And they said, well, we saw this and we proposed this law. And then the law passed and I got it, the law to turn back around. It's, it's insane, but this is happening, but we need to be on the same page and I'm being long-winded, but there's so much to be said that this isn't about what Carlos was saying. We're way beyond the finite argument of why it doesn't make sense. We argued and argued about the invasive injurious snakes and all that. We, it, it's simple as this strength in numbers. Any person that is not a member of U.S. ARC and does not believe everything U.S. ARC is saying, you are not part of our community. You, you are lucky you're able to keep anything because U.S. ARC is our only weapon and they are being annihilated. There is way too many laws. And the only power U.S. ARC will have is if you empower them with your vote, with your voice, with your ability to take 15 minutes to include yourself in some kind of campaign and actually believe this is real. This is incredibly needed and it needs to happen now because this is, this stuff is happening fast. And if we lose South Carolina, as an example, Oh my God, North Carolina, certainly Georgia and all the joining things because it spreads like wildfire up here in new England. These people have had way too much time to create and formulate these laws and these laws passed when people were sleeping at the wheel. Now we're kind of awake, but we have to all be behind U.S. ARC, and we have to be willing to take a little bit of time. Stop thinking of yourselves all about the social media and all this, and you need to start thinking about other keepers. And I don't care if you don't keep black and white tegus. It's representing what they're coming from for next. Bearded dragons, ball pythons. Uh, you know, any single thing, a leopard gecko, a crested gecko, a lichianus, it's all the same. I don't care what species it is. It's the idea of letting people that are literally ninny minded that I can destroy in a five minute argument. I, you put me up against any of these, these people or their biologists and I'll sit here and I'll break it down. Let's, I like to fight facts with facts. These people will stumble and bumble and uh, stammer and make up false claims. Be and they're deciding our laws. 
and we're allowing them to. We concede because we can't be bothered and we have to fix that. I rest my microphone. <laughs> oh, man. There, there we go. The, the, the I Kevin you has all. spoken. Joe, Phil knows. Phil feels like I've already heard this stuff a hundred times. There's something I wanted to add to that. Imagine, imagine if everyone that's listening to this, whether it be on YouTube or podcast apps or whatever, just took a few minutes to write in an email, right? But that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day is having our voice heard, whether it be via email in this case, where we have that deadline of Thursday at five o'clock, so the 11th of February. Uh, to email board at dnr.sc.gov. Imagine people just took five minutes. However many people download this. Let's say it's a few hundred people that downloaded prior. That right there would make a massive impact. But uh, for a lot of people, it's easier to say, like you said, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. And then after the fact, when it comes to attacking an animal they keep or it's an estate they keep, then you're kind of panicking. And having that mentality, I mean, it's, it's a losing mentality and you'll lose every single time. And I can guarantee you from personal experience, I don't need to go back into it, but I have a strong scientific background and these people yes. do not care about science. They do not care. I, I think, Kevin, you missed the beginning part, but basically before there was any claims of spotting, you know, any released animal during warm months or anything like that, they said from the start, we want to ban tegus before they even cited a single adult, anything. Same then, thing in Florida with anacondas. When they did that, they've only ever found two pet green anacondas ever. And then their agency was the one that was in charge of collecting this. So they already said, we want to ban this before there was any sighting and put us in charge of, you know, collecting these reports. And once we collect these reports, we're going to say, you know what? Oh, well, we spotted a few. So, you know what? They're invading everywhere, even though we have no nests, no eggs, no hatchlings, no proof that they could overwinter, nothing. And these animals that they're catching are not wild caught animals. Like these are animals that are like hefty, massive tegus that never grow to that size actually in the wild. Carlos could attest to this. Even if you look okay. at um, the videos in the wild of, of Argentine tegus, actually in Argentina, they never get this large. These are animals that are stuffed to capacity. People are probably, you know, d- uh, painting their nails and putting little costumes on them and things like that. These animals are <laughs> – whatever winds up happening. And, and this is, like, few and far between. It's not like people are intentionally releasing these pets. If they did the same type of campaign for bearded dragons or leopard geckos, you know how many reports they would get? It would be insane. It would be absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. But they said, you know what? Let's ignore the scientific process that we all learn in, in high school. And let's say we're going to come up with a hypothesis. And instead of basically collecting data both for and against the hypothesis and then coming to a logical conclusion, we'll have this hypothesis. Anything that's for our, our hypothesis, we're going to take all that data in. And anything that's against, oh, yeah, the, ignore the fact that, you know, we don't really have any eggs. We don't have any nests. We don't have any hatchlings. We don't have to prove they overwinter. These are massive animals. They're actually obviously not wild animals. You know, let's conveniently ignore that 95% of data that proves that we're obviously incorrect. And let's just, you know, sensationalize it and run with that. And Josh, then- Josh, let me add one thing. Yep. You and I both know. So there's a paper circulating and it's, uh, if you're a researcher, it tells you how to prove your hypotheses and how you remove certain things or you don't go in a field like if i want to and they generally are always they're never going out there that they're not biased they're biased for their argument or against their argument but if i want to go and show that they're not here i might go on a day when it's raining and the day it's cold and they i read this whole paper and it talked it was basically about a researcher 
who rolled on other researchers and said, this is what they do because they get funding. They do all this different stuff. So I, I already want, I'm already vested in saying, Hey, these tegus or whatever. So I'm going to do every single thing I can. And it's really, it's not, I mean, we're all biased no matter what, but when we're relying on a state agency, the, the thing is you're, you're supposed to be above reproach. And that is absolutely a figment of your imagination because they are incredibly biased. I've actually dealt with it in the world of Crotalus horridus, which is timber rattlesnake stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm the guy that discovered a, a, a flesh eating fungus. And it took me 10 years battling the experts to finally prove that it was real. And they battled against me and I watched them manipulate information they anecdotal information they manipulated visual animals they biological samples they they did all this because they did not want me to be right and ultimately i was 100 correct and they were all wrong and how could somebody of a private sector who has degrees in electronics and computers how could he come in there under our very noses and find that all these snakes are dying in across the northeast and the east coast they're dying, and he was able to figure it out. And we're researching these animals. These people are paid to do it. They have the rights to research these endangered animals. And some guy that does it as a hobby did it. But Josh, you you know everything about science. Your whole thing is you know you understand you know modeling and you understand test groups and all that. But they're manipulating the information. This is preconceived what they want, and it isn't about facts yeah and and so even that scenario which is a terrible scenario the ones you were referring to but this is even worse than that because they have collected literally no data this is not even like junk science like junk science is terrible but this is actually a downgrade from junk science this is literally no science like and when you speak to these individuals when i speak to the state herpetologist i have kids that volunteer at my farm that have far superior knowledge on reptiles it's embarrassing so um, I mean, I don't know. I can say a lot to that, but I mean, but you have uh, like, for example, the Center for Biological Diversity. You have Miss Bennett. Wow. He goes here, and you know, obviously they're <laughs> and they draft a lot of these regulations, and they're in bed with South Carolina DNR, and basically they say she said she went on the hearing and said, you know what, where it's below freezing temperatures in South Carolina, a tegu has a higher chance of surviving in South Carolina than Florida. Right there, everyone on the board should immediately just muted her. I dealt, I dealt with her, Josh. Josh, I dealt with her. Oh my gosh! It was about the invasive python ban, mm. and uh, uh, the guy that owns that made a huge amount of money. Uh, Andrew, uh, Andy, I can't remember his name, but I was talking to him, and and uh, Bennett works for him, and I try to rationalize with him. And her about 20 foot boa constrictors and 12 foot boa constrictors and all this. And she didn't even know what she was talking about, but you could not reason. They it's already their minds are already made up and they're going to spit out. Imagine if we went out and argued with make believe and we actually spit out lies we couldn't do that because we're afraid of being, you know, that would hurt our campaign. But when you have these people in these higher positions where this is their day and day, they have the luxury of being in the position where they can say lies 
They can spread fiction and they're never called out on it because tomorrow they can just go to another thing and say it where we're like, I've waited three years to be able to finally speak. And <laughs> of course, every bit of my argument has to be as, uh, as perfect as possible. And, and we're, we're completely flawed, but this is, um, preemptive, uh, reasoning here and just in case these tegus and then they just make these these false claims they feed it to a politician who's or a lobbyist that's pushing this and it just takes on a whole life of its own and but it comes back down to we need only thing we can do is having as many votes as many people to be supportive of usr and to be vocal and actually be interested in taking five minutes and something like this podcast if we just let this thing sit by itself there's a huge amount of effort and it's just going to be a drop in the pan. What you need to do, this thing needs to be taken and given to everybody with giant social media platforms and, and somehow get them all on board. And I have ideas with Phil knows, but we need to find some easy way to fast track. You can't fast track things through us arc because everything about us arc has to be, very methodical because U.S. arc has to be immaculate. It has to be perfect. It has to say things that are always accurate. We don't necessarily always have that time. We have to have somebody that's like lightning. Oh my God, guys, you see this? We have until Thursday. Bam. U.S. arc can't do that. They're suffocating. Right, Phil? Not at all. I'm still breathing, Kevin. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're, you, you guys, man, it's up to your ears. And every time you turn around, it's something new. Uh, so a couple things uh, to follow up on what both Josh and Kevin were saying, obviously great points, but something Kevin hit on, everybody needs to realize this conversation goes well beyond big snakes. It goes well beyond Tegu. So very quickly, back when the United States Fish and Wildlife Service wanted to ban the big snakes, that was never just about the big snakes. I have the letter. So the Humane Society of the United States that yeah. Kevin talked about, they wanted to ban ball pythons and sand boas. They wanted every python species and every boid, every boa to be listed, every anaconda to be listed as injurious. So if if US Ark and reptile keepers had not been there to fight, ball pythons would have been listed as injurious and it would have been illegal to ship those animals across state lines. People need to realize that. When you don't speak up, that's what happens. So if we hadn't been making noise for the last 10 years, I'd hate to think on, on where we would be right now. And going back to this Tegu thing, you know, it's about Tegus today, but we're seeing right now in Florida, you know, it's the same thing. They want to ban some big snakes and Tegus and green iguanas. But FWC staff has made it clear if a species can breed in Florida, we don't want it here. So today's conversation is 16 species. Tomorrow's conversation is going to be 160 species. Um, and there's there's a population of leopard geckos breeding in Tampa. So if you think that leopard geckos are safe, um, they, they, they could be on their necks. So, uh, again, you, you need to jump on, even if it's not your species affected today. It just takes a few minutes to let this be known. And the reason that matters in South Carolina is because this is the first time the South Carolina DNR has had to deal with reptile keepers. If we speak up in numbers, uh, they're going to go, whoa, what's going on here? Um, I mean, on that call we had, we had a public comment hearing on the 4th and what were there, Josh, were there six or seven of us that called in? Um, I mean, it, 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 it was not enough people at all. Um, yeah. And you had up yeah. to five minutes to speak, which is actually a, a long amount of time for these public hearings. It sounds very brief, but a lot of times you only get two or three minutes. But again, there just wasn't a lot of people that called in. So now since that opportunity has passed, 
we need hundreds of people sending emails so that at least we can get this tabled and come back to the to and open up another conversation rather than just going and passing like it is. Um, and I, I think that's really oh one more thing. So everybody knows who Josh and Kevin were talking about with this attorney who's been calling in. It's the Center for Biological Diversity is the group. They get millions of dollars annually. They have staff attorneys. Uh, so full time, all they do is work for the Center for Biological Diversity. And they're one of the groups that intervened in our federal lawsuit. So if you followed our federal lawsuit, our lawsuit was actually a victor victory over United States Fish and Wildlife Service, the Center for Biological Diversity and the Humane Society of the United States. So actually all three of those groups uh, came in and joined in our lawsuit. So uh, they're they're extremely anti herpticulture. So everybody has those people on their radar. And I, sp I spoke uh, to the man who's the head of uh, biodiversity uh, and just blanking on his name, but he's a he's a timber rattlesnake guy. And uh, so I had some narrative with him. So I had a way to talk to him. And I was. He basically told me, even though uh, I, you know, I certainly could sound like I had a, a, a good understanding of what I was talking about. He said he has to believe in his attorney. Uh, and he just he's like, she knows what she's talking about. And I was like incensed. I'm like, absolutely, you don't know. And he even said that he used to have a pet boa constrictor and all that. But, you know, these things can grow to, you know, tw 20 feet long, I was hearing, and I was losing my mind. And and I just, I couldn't, I just could not change the opinion because uh, Bennett was so incredibly vocal. I would love to go to war with these people. I would just like, if I could get into uh, some kind of, talking back and forth i i would eat this up but we i got i gotta tell one quick story about what kevin is talking about here so i don't know it's been three or four years ago now we stopped a broad sweeping ban in arlington virginia which arlington virginia is a very important city because it's one of the most populous cities in the u.s but anyway i was in a room with the two of the big shots from the humane society of united states one of the chiefs for hsus introduced their reptile expert there in the room the reptile expert called for large constrictors to be banned in Arlington, Virginia, which again, we stopped it. But she asked for, asked for large constrictors to be banned. The city asked her if she could name the species that she wanted banned, and she could not name a single species of large constrictor snake. I mean, that is how clueless they are. And that's why it's important for us to make our voices heard, because if they only hear one side of it, uh, they're, you know, the state agency or city agency, whoever it is, is just going to roll over because she's a reptile expert. Uh, she was an attorney. She had her JD. She practiced law, introduced as a reptile expert, could not name a single species of large constrictor snake and told the city, I'll have to get back to you with that list. Andy Sabin is the, the guy that is uh, started uh, Center for Biological Diversity. And he's uh, he's rich. He made huge money in precious metals and uh, he loves the environment. But he's empowered these people and uh, you know there's a huge thought that reptile people are not conservationists and we don't care about the environment and we're that's so misconceived it's so sad but i think one thing um we need to find a way that we could what we've just done has no value unless other people are viewing it mm -hmm. and it's almost like if you take something like this, you package it, and then we seek out people with the biggest platforms, and we can, within five minutes, 
get it where they are. Wow. Okay. I'm getting it. And then they blast out this stuff and they ask their followers. So wouldn't you agree, Phil, we need to find a way to fast track this. We can't let this, you know, grassroots it. And we don't have the time right now. You guys need noise and you only have a couple days to make it. So if we could get this out there and then everybody with a, a larger platform, if you could chime in there to all the people that care about what you think and care about you know, your girlfriend broke up with you and what happened to your, your pet, uh, you know, bearded dragon or whatever. Well, if you can get them also be interested in something that's very important to you, then maybe there's going to be numbers and maybe we can get this to happen fast. So I would immediately go and find people, anybody with the biggest platforms, as soon as this thing gets packaged, we say, Hey, we so need your help, but not like before we we're in trouble. And I think the one thing, the New York thing is really scary. And I think if that doesn't catch your interest, yeah, you don't belong in our industry. You just don't. If you, if you just don't even care, you don't have that right. And this is a huge, huge, huge deal. And we, but we, we got to scare people. It, it, it's, it's, it's way beyond that. But I, you know, I, I think if you could get 1200 people or more that are like fully vested in plaguing your, what do you guys call your, your fishing game there? South Carolina DNR department. Okay, of so if we, you plague the DNR there, they're going to be like, what happened? We had <laughs> six phone people on the phone call. And now these people are kind of going kind of crazy. And that's the director that I know told me he, that's what they don't want. They're like, wow, there's a real public outcry. And they're getting little old ladies are saying leg hole traps are mean. And I can't believe you. And you're disgusting. And he was really He's like, I, what am I going to do? He's like, we're not going to pass it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not into leg hole traps or anything like that. Yeah. But I watched his Achilles heel and he was getting he was getting harassed and it was very powerful. But remember, they're up the chain at the, the DNR. There are a few people. And if they get it or they're selectmen or whatever, if somebody gets it, they're going to be like, wow, this is too noisy. We've just kicked a hornet's nest. And these people are kind of uh, organized and we really have to be organized and we have to be noisy. I want to point out something too. It's getting to the point. So like you said, they really don't care about facts. You can have all the factual data. They say, you know what? We're beyond recourse. We are, you know, we are basically can't be harmed. We don't have to explain to you if we want to pass something, we're going to pass it no matter what. So that's the mentality these people have. Trust me, I've been in meetings with them. Um, so the only thing that matters is numbers. And we're starting actually a branch of uh, a South Carolina US arc. I've been talking to Phil about it. And I tell the people that are gonna be on my board, like, look, we're at war. And I'm not being an extremist or an alarmist. We're at war right now. You have to treat it like we're, we're at war. We need numbers. If you enjoy, like like Kevin had said, if you like watching BHB or J Prehistorics on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever, whatever it is. Reach out to all these people. We're all one community and we have so many voices, but we're not collected. We don't have this sort of collective conscious. And since we don't have that, other industries that are more collected have more strength and we need to have that too. I know a lot of times the mentality with reptile keepers is, well, I really like reptiles. I really don't like people. I kind of like, you know, dealing with my snakes in my basement. That's fine. I understand that. 
However, when it comes to this, you really need to put that aside. You have to have a different mentality. You have to have a paradigm shift. And another thing I want to point out, this is how bad it is. There's actually an employee, and I don't know if he wants me to mention his name, but it's public knowledge, from South Carolina DNR that went on the hearing speaking against what they were trying to do with this proposed ban. So even he works for a different division of South Carolina DNR, not the ones that are in charge of this ban, but even their own people are sitting, and he's not a breeder or anything like that. He likes reptiles, he keeps some, this and that, but he's not, he doesn't depend on this. It's not his livelihood. And he's even saying like, hold on guys, this is ridiculous. Like we have no proof, we have nothing backing this. And he even questioned their process. He said, look, when you guys wanted the ban use, you said it before you actually had any evidence, then you did this huge campaign. And then when they were hearing, so people have the opportunity to go against it, you literally hit it. You didn't advertise it on social media. You didn't do all these other things you did for the ban. Um, so you basically kept it a secret, all these hearings. So you guys are obviously manipulating the system. It's extremely irresponsible, very unethical. And this is their own employees saying that literally people that work for them. So th everyone realizes how ridiculous it is. So back going back on it again, you have to make your voice heard. Everyone needs to take the time, reach out to every single person, you know, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, parents, family members, colleagues at work. If we all reach out and we all join together, that's going to make a difference. They do not care about reasoning. They do not care about logic. They do not care about science. So I just, <clears throat> I just want to jump in real quick, and and this is for Phil, just because it's, um, it's happening, uh, in the chat right now. People in other countries that are tuning in are wondering how they can help us. Um, so from Canada and the UK, there are some people that are asking what they can do. It's so in sad NSA. because these people are probably more. <laughs> this is a crazy. Because they these people live in some of these societies, Canada and the UK, you've already lost a ton of your rights. You guys are completely aware. Oh, my God, it's gone. And you people over here in the United States, you have way more freedoms. You don't even know what's going. It's happening. I've been over in Canada and I've been over in Europe and I look at the diminished abilities to keep these animals and it makes me insane because it's not based on anything logical. It's based on ideas or, or, you know, animal rights. And they're so twisted as we all know, but that is so lovely from other countries and there they would spend the time to write the letters and you should <laughs> still write the letters guys. What, what should people do? So yeah, South Carolina voices obviously matter most, but again, we have all the information right there. Go to usarc.org, click on the very top link. That's our newsletter. There's a direct link to the South Carolina alert. It's got sample messaging. It's got the email address. It's all right there. Uh, so if you oppose it, you oppose it. Let them, let them hear about it. Perfect. There See what go. I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to go and, and Kevin's going to drive to South Carolina. <laughs> I, I would love to, to brawl with these people. If, if I, if they would even like talk, I would love to actually argue with these people to the point where there's nothing like, they're like, okay, you've said it all. I would love that because your <laughs> biologist or your team of biologists are about ready to be crushed. When we were doing the Python invasive pythons and invasive snakes, when I was, you know, you know doing the stuff with us arc, we had like, Phil, what was that? Their argument, like 322 pages of why the pythons and the anaconda should be banned. And I'm like, yeah. well, I can write like 322 pages arguing. You're like, Kevin, you have to keep it to like 25 pages. <laughs> and for our whole thing for, you know, and we work, we have the four attorneys. And so then it was educating the attorneys, like what my points were. And then they, they just keep refining it and refining it until U.S. Arc 
made something that was presentable to a judge with a factual logistic brain. And he was actually able to navigate. This sounds like a, a reasonable argument. And we got an injunction. We that allowed us Ark to finally do something, but the, the amount of energy it took to get there and just doing it right. We never get the time in the sun to counter argue. We get a fraction and what basically makes up for it is if I have 50 noisy teenagers that are all sending, look, they're just as good as yeah. 50 uh, strange, weird snake people like me. <laughs> You guys are all, you guys are just as powerful as me. And I'd love for your voices to get out there because you can make a difference. I don't care if you have a bearded dragon or a leopard gecko because eventually you might not be able to. And I always want you to keep any kind of reptile you can confidently keep. I always want that right because it's just, it's your freedom that you deserve. And we love these animals, but right now we need to worry about all of us and the future of our rights. So your time and your five minutes, not looking at TikTok, go, go, go follow the U S arc, uh, South Carolina, uh, alert and really just do something. And whenever possible, just be as intelligent as you can and just say it's unsound. It's not based on science. It, and it is, uh, it, it is a detriment to all resp responsible reptile keepers because, there's a ton of us that responsibly keep our animals and we deserve that right. Even if you're in South Carolina, you should still be able to keep and, you know, breed your black and whites and your blue tegus and all that. Here, here's something. Here's another thing that really needs to hit home with people is you really have to look at the business aspect of this and what's happening. So imagine you had a business. Let's say you you had a coffee shop and all of a sudden some state agency came and said, well, there's a possibility that one of your coffee beans may fall out of the trash and start growing some invasive coffee plant. So we're going to shut down your coffee business. So it doesn't matter what you were doing to address that no coffee bean would fall out of your bag. And it would, <laughs> it's impossible for that coffee bean to ever fall out and develop as, you know, some invasive plant population. That's exactly what these Tegu guys are facing in South Carolina. So the government is telling them, you know, we don't care that you had a business. We don't care that you re re relocated your family to the South Carolina. We're going to shut you down without any evidence that you're actually causing a problem. And just as Josh said, when we started out, um, you know, it's, it's irresponsible people. We want those people to be punished, but you know, Josh, and there was another woman who called in who hasn't reached out to us yet. You know, she was another one. She moved her whole family to South Carolina, their sole business, their sole source of income was breeding tegus and, and they're not being provided any reimbursement for this. They're either going to have to sell their animals and get regular jobs when they were fortunate enough to be able to do what they love for a living, or they're going to have to move out of state and hope that this doesn't happen somewhere else. So again, this goes way beyond reptiles. This is government overreach. It's unjust. I mean, it's unconstitutional, but you know, to, to file a lawsuit and win that, unfortunately what would happen would be Josh may get some money for the tegus that he lost, but it's not going to overturn this. Um, so it, it's just, it, it's unfortunate. And again, it goes way beyond reptiles. So if you're a reptile person who sees this, get your family members, send it in emails because this is, I mean, it's so un-American. It's it's not funny. Yeah, so, sorry to be sorry to be a downer there, but that's that's the truth of the matter. No, that's the reality, man. I don't even know what uh, what being an American is anymore. <laughs> it, it's, it's having the freedom crazy. to have a ponytail. I that's that's what it is. But it's like um. So for everyone listening, 
It's um, the email to send in. So the deadline is going to be Thursday, which is February the 11th at 5 p.m. Like I told everyone, just send it in now because if you wait till 5 p.m., guess what? You might forget, right? Things happen. Life happens. Yeah. And I also have all the information for that in the description of this video um, awesome. to the, the US ARC link and the email and the deadline for when these emails need to be turned in. And again, it's board at dnr.sc.gov. If we share this everywhere, which obviously we will, and everyone that listens shares it everywhere, we start this domino effect and build that strong community. And you know, you take it seriously, not just if you're a reptile person, if you're if you keep parrots, if you keep fish, if you keep whatever, um, you have to we have to join together as a community and we have to see it for what it is. Um and we're trisophula. <laughs> I am a uh, an accomplished trisophila keeper. I have crinkled and red eye Drysophila. <laughs> and I've also discovered a new species of Drysophila, Drysophila microscopulus. So as an established Drysophila, also known as uh, microscopic flies, I am also concerned and I am going to do my part because I don't want the government sneaking into my house and telling me I can't keep fruit flies. Thank <laughs> it you, was that, okay. It was at that moment that Phil realized he needed to leave. <laughs> I knew that as soon as Kevin walked in the room earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So every alert that's on there for US ARC, we just need to pay attention. We need to join together. And the biggest, the biggest weapon we have is really our numbers. That's number one. Science doesn't matter. I'm a scientist. I retired as being a scientist to breed reptiles full time. And me with a significant scientific background, they didn't listen to me. So um these uh, these people that, you know, they're basically parroting information and, and Googling things and never actually touch the Tegu, most of them. They're the ones that are dictating what we can and cannot do. We need numbers. That's the only thing that matters. Logic doesn't matter. Ethics doesn't matter. The right doing the right thing doesn't matter to them. Numbers matter. That's it. So that's all I got. That's it. That's it. Um yeah, I think uh, we're we're we, we've passed our hour mark, but that's totally cool because this is very very important stuff. Um, so I, I want to open it to to any any of you guys. Um, if there's anything in, in closing that we want to say um, that hasn't already been said, um, and then uh, Phil, while you're still here, if uh, if we could touch, uh, I know we want to focus on South Carolina because obviously that's that's a major thing. But a bunch of people have been asking if we can touch um, even for a little bit on the New York. Um, proposal that just came through as well yeah let's kick it over to josh and carlos to see if they want to close out anything on south carolina and then i can stick around a few more minutes okay what i what i would like to go ahead and and mention once again is that what everybody has been saying what josh has been saying what you guys have been mentioning there's honestly strength in numbers guys and uh not so far off example when we had the issue here in Florida, uh, it was brought up to the board members that they've seen in a survey now bearded dragon. So it was brought up that there, there could be actual potential bearded dragons now found in Florida. And one of the members of the board for them didn't even know what a bearded dragon was, which is one of the most commonly sold reptiles in the industry. So if we come together, guys, not only if you're a, a YouTube hand model, if you're somebody that actually breeds animals, if you actually keep the animals and you breed them and you have them in your collections, like I see these YouTube hand models do videos over the most absurd things. They get millions of views. And, you're watching. and these guys have yet <laughs> to be in one single video supporting our legislature, supporting where we stand, supporting where our laws are. 
showing that, oh my God, I just got bit by a reticulated python. Oh, look at this Burmese python that I took out of the Everglades that I planted in there to make this cool video. But never anything reinforcing the laws, reinforcing where we stand as a community. And we need that. We need to come together because united we stand on this subject. It could be tegus today. It could be leopard geckos tomorrow. We've seen it happen with the with the uh, pythons. It was already the big pythons that they wanted to bonsai down the industry, and that was their exact words: "Let's bonsai the industry down. Let's make ball pythons and all of these still legal because they're smaller species, and let's list all the other ones on a conditional species." We keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. And nothing is given back to us. Our rights are not guaranteed as citizens. None of this is ever guaranteed that we're getting into this. And all of us have spent years in order to be able to build these collections of animals to get to the point that we're at now that we're able to breed them and sell them out to the public. This was an overnight success. So by you removing us from the rights to keep these animals, you're taking years away from our lives, from our families' lives, years that we've sacrificed in order to be able to get to this point. So we have to all come together and spend two, five minutes, do whatever it takes. Guys, if I gotta motivate you by giving $500 gift certificate for you guys to go ahead and take the time to write an email because you don't have the motivation, I will do it. I will jump over whatever hoop you want me to, like if I'm a clown in a freaking circus, in order to get you to get the point across, you know? But we all need to work together to do this because these are our rights collectively taken away. It doesn't matter whether it's South Carolina, whether it's Florida, whether it's New York, it's the United States of America that's being impacted. And it's all of us together. And we are being stripped of our rights for whatever bullshit excuse, excuse my language, they wanna use this time around because that's what it is. It's plain BS and they're doing this for a monetary factor, not because they care about the environment. We all want to say it, Carlos. It's all right. <laughs> um, that's an important point. What what Carlos had mentioned is that um, the HSUS, uh, the Center for Biological Diversity, uh, South Carolina DNR. At the end of the day, uh, their actions show that their their main priority really are getting things passed in optics because things are actually challenging when you're um, agendas where you know people are you know deforestation things like that when they have big companies they would have to face they don't really stand up to those companies they try to stand up to the you know reptile industry because honestly a lot of these people view the reptile industry as, as weak they say you know what that's an easy target even though there are bigger battles and actual battles to fight even though this reptile thing really isn't a concern it helps our optics they're not really concerned about the animals they're concerned about optics prime example HSUS they slaughter so many animals each year for them to call themselves humane as an agency is laughable. If anyone does any sort of research, a lot of these agencies are massive, massive hypocrites and they're really extremists. Their agendas are extremists. They don't want people to have pets. Uh, they don't want people, doesn't matter how hard you work, how much you love these animals, how much of your life you dedicate to them, they do not care. So we have to recognize they have a lot of backing. We need to have a lot of backing. So I challenge everyone, everyone listening to this to make this go viral. You could come up with a hashtag that says, hashtag, you know, viral reptile poster or whatever the case is, but we need to make this go viral. I want to see it everywhere. It, I, it's your obligation. I challenge everyone. I challenge everyone to be as strong as you are capable of being and make this go viral. That's all. That's what I have.
Fantastic. <clears throat> Rob, do you want to say anything? You're just chilling back there. I'm just chilling. I, I'm not on a mic right now. And also, this is not good playing audio. Okay. All right. I'm cool. A minute behind. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Carlos and Josh. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks for, for calling me and, and Rob yesterday to, to work to put this together. And, and Carlos and Phil, thank you guys for, for jumping on. Um, and Kevin for coming away from the fish room insanity that we heard was happening um, to talk about this. Um, so thank you guys very much. Um, so like I said, Phil, I, I want to steal you for a couple more minutes, just if we can, just to talk, um, briefly about what's going on in, in, uh, in New York, um, Josh and, and Carlos, if you guys have to go, we understand if you want to hang, I'll, I'll keep your rectangles on the screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, Phil, I'll open it up for you. Yeah. So again, super easy to find this information. It's all over our Facebook page. Go to usark.org, click on the very top link, which is our last newsletter, and it has all the current alerts right there in that newsletter. So super easy to find, usark.org. And New York, it's Assembly Bill 04611. This is the first time we've seen this. It's pretty crazy. So what this bill wants to do, and we believe that the the Assemblywoman in New York who introduced it probably has some ties with some animal rights groups, we're being told. But anyway... That's where it initiated. It is going to ban any import or export into New York State by any mail carrier, and that includes all mammals, all birds, all reptiles, and all amphibians. So this goes well beyond herps. And so this is any, a lot of us get overnight shipments. You know, we buy a reptile from somebody in Texas or Washington, whatever state it is, have it shipped to New York, and, and that's how you get there. It's safely done. The, you know, a lot of times the animals are barely in transport for 12 or 14 hours. Um, overnight ship delivered to New York before 10 a.m. FedEx, UPS. Um, you can actually still ship some. You can ship lizards, for example, via USPS. But this is all mail, car all mail carriers. It's going to shut it down. It's very unlikely it's going to pass. This is the first time we've seen this bill, but there needs to be a whole lot of noise made right now so that it doesn't come back. Um, because a lot, of a lot of times what these legislators do is they just reintroduce it every year. So even if it dies in one session, it comes back. And the real problem we have is in the Northeast, you guys up there have it the worst. And it's really easy to see why the Northeast is the most regulated, has most laws, it's because that's the part of the country that's been writing the laws the longest. You know, the first states in the U.S. were in the Northeast. You know, the states as you go west haven't been around as long. And one problem we have with our current government system, legislators cannot stay employed unless they write new laws. So what they do is legislators don't write these laws. They get them fed to them from some lobbyist from HSUS, ASPCA, CBD, whoever it is. They actually write the laws for the legislators. They draft them up. They give them to them. The legislator thinks, hey, this is a cool idea. Maybe I can get this to pass. And I can say, hey, look at this law I passed last year. When they come up for re-election, it's like, hey, look what I did last year. I got whatever, 12 laws passed. And that, that that's how the system works now. And like I said, the Northeast has it the worst because you've already got all the laws in place that the rest of the country has. So now you've got to come up with the new ones the fastest so your legislators can stay employed and spend all that tax money. Um, so that's a little bit about New York. Again, super easy. We've got sample language. We've got all the emails. So this is going to the New York Agricultural Assembly Committee. So it's a long list of emails, but again, just copy paste it. It's best if you personalize our sample message, but we make it super easy for you to do. Just, just get it sent off. And if you got any questions about it, I'll be more than happy to answer them. That's awesome. All right. Well, th thank you very much, Phil, for for that, because I know people were certainly like, what is what is going on with that? I, I think uh, that's definitely 
<clears throat> I think that's one of the most outlandish, crazy bills to just literally pop out of literally nowhere <laughs> that, I, that I think we've seen. Um, all right. I think that about covers it. I need to get Kevin away from a microphone before he goes on for another 40 minutes. But... <laughs> What? I was sleeping. But, uh, <laughs> but all right. So thank you guys very, very much. Um, I'm going to have this uh, posted on my YouTube. We're going to share the link everywhere, all over social media. I think we can maybe get Nerd to even share it too. Um, Why don't you just do it? Then? Okay, cool. So Nerd will share it. You have the ability to do that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we'll see if we can get it on some other larger platforms as well. And of course, the uh, all the audio will be available on all streaming platforms before the end of the day. Um, so we just need to share, 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 and get the word out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good afternoon. Most definitely.